Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free. Shopify.com slash podcast free. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, it's Jamie, the host of this podcast, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am so glad that you were joining us today. I want to say real quick before we get started is that my oldest son just turned 18 over the weekend, and I have no idea how it is possible that I have a child that is 18 years old. But here we are on the other side of a couple days of 18 years old, and I am such a proud mom. Today's show is with Justin Whitmill Early, and I found out about Justin. Well, I tell about it in the show, I think, but I found out about him when a friend posted a book of his, and I thought, oh my gosh, it sounds so intriguing to me. He has a book out called Habits of the Household, and man, it just looked like something I wanted to devour and dive into, and so I invited him to come on the show, and it's such a great conversation today, and the reason I love it so much is because he's not talking about making goals, which I'm a goal maker, I'm a goal setter, we've had shows already this year about setting goals, and I think those are great, but he also talks about making habits and how we take our habits to transform the people that we are. In fact, recently on Instagram, he posted five reasons you should make habits instead of resolutions. He said, number one, habits actually change who we are. Number two, habits are easily checked off. Number three, habits are light. Number four, habits are flexible. And number five, habits create accountability. I think you're going to love our conversation today. We talk about what it looks like to create those habits to really change the way our whole household functions. And I want to say this. I said this in the show. I want to make sure this is not a conversation about habits for the household where you have a mom and a dad and three kids. This is for anyone who lives within community. And so I hope you understand that. Guys, speaking of Instagram, if if you're new to this podcast or you're new to me, I would love to meet you over on Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy. Come follow me there to see snippets of my life and my family and a lot about the show. I'd love to be friends with you over there. All right, y'all. Here is my conversation with Justin. Justin, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks, Jamie. I am so grateful to be here. Well, I am so grateful to be here as well. And I was thinking today, I was like, how did I find out about Justin? And I'm trying to rack my brain. I want to know too. Oh, okay. Well, here, I think I figured it out. I think a friend of mine posted that she was reading this new book of yours. And I trust friends, you know, like I get a lot of books come through my office and I know a lot of writers, all the things, but I didn't know your name. And so I'm like, what is Mm -hmm. this? And then I started looking more into it and I was like, habits of the household, Justin, please come to my house and just do a seminar for the Ivies. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) So I was like, well, we'll do it better. We'll just have him on the podcast. So I think that's how I found out about you. My friend, Brittany was reading your book. That's great. So thank you, Brittany. Brittany who? Do we know? Salmon. Oh yes. I knew her husband in college. That's great. All right. Look at that. Thanks. Shout out to Brittany, Salmon, that's and Ben. That's great. <laughs> Brittany and Ben over in Abilene. Yes. So I saw 
while she was reading it, I was like, man, this sounds like a really, really great concept. So before we dive into your one-on-one seminar that you're bringing to me today for my household, (laughs) tell everybody like what you do besides writing this book, because you've got a lot more going on as well. I know when you said one-on-one seminar, I was like, all right, new business model. Because I think in business, because I'm a business lawyer and I run my own law firm and law practice. So that's my day job. I actually started years after college as a missionary in Shanghai, China, and then had this calling experience where I felt called to live missionally within the vocation of law and business. So that's what I do full-time. I've stumbled into writing. I've always loved writing. And fortunately now, some other people are agreeing with me and they like my writing. So I've written two books, mostly on habits and formation. But Amidst all that, probably most importantly, I'm a husband to Lauren, father to Wit, Asher, Colt, and Shep, who are nine, seven, four, and three, and then a friend to all my friends in Richmond. So that's me. I love it so much. I will say, I think I've mentioned this before, but a lot of times before I have guests on, I, I like send this little like, Google Doc. You filled it out already. You know what it is. And I just ask like questions. Like I kind of yeah. want to ask questions like, tell me a little bit more about yourself that I'm going to get from like a bio or, you know, whatever book you're releasing or project you're working on. And I just need to tell you that when I read the way you described your wife, I thought they have a very cool relationship. Oh. And so <laughs> I was really, really, really impressed by that. She's my favorite. So I'm glad that that came across. <laughs> you said, you said she's the best conversation and travel partner I've ever found. Yes. I think we fell in love through conversation and we stay in love through it. Like a lot of our life together is talking and she's a person of the mind too. You know, we like to read together. She's a great curator of books and movies. So we watch stuff together. So yeah. She's a wonderful mom, wonderful worker, but she's also just a good friend to travel and talk to. This conversation today is not going to be about marriage. It's going to be about habits. But I would like to say this because I like talking about marriage. And I mean, I wrote a book about marriage and all the things. I really value marriage. I think it's important. I don't think it's the ultimate Mm -hmm. end all goal that God has for us by any means. But I happen to be married and know a lot of people who are. So I talk about it. But, you know, you said something that I think is so important for young people who are looking to step into marriage or even young newlyweds is you listed two things that you love about your wife. And they're two things that probably for the most part, maybe travel could be a little different in conversation. Obviously there can be medical things that come into play there, but those are two things that could be a lifetime of friendship, you know, built around. And I think a lot of times people jumping into marriage, you know, you forget to build on the things that are going to last for yeah. a really long time. And that conversation yeah. and travel piece are things like we could stand on this for lots of years. And I love that you said that. Mm. I love that mm. so much. Okay. So you're a lawyer, which is funny that I think you're also writing about like right, habits right. and how they form us and stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if well, that, that goes together, that. If, if the lawyer stuff and habits go together or not. But to me, I would think that they would, which I think is like, oh, you're the perfect person to write on this. But you tell in the beginning of this book, the book is called Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. And I already told you that I saw my friend Brittany reading this and I thought, man, that looks like a book I would really like to read as mom and parenting for children and really thinking through like, what does our home look like? You tell a story in the beginning of this book and I'd love for you to tell it as well as why did you even start thinking about habits in your household? Because you've written another book about habits and you have your own personal habits, but transferring personal habits into family habits I think is a, is a big undertaking. So what was it for you that made you want to do that? Yeah, I love answering this question because I'm two for two so far. All my books come out of crisis. So I have a personal crisis meltdown. <laughs> and then... So what's ahead for you next? <laughs> I know, maybe this is a bad trend. My first book came out of actually a really severe crisis where after transitioning from being a missionary in China to being a lawyer, and I felt called to be a lawyer. So I ran out with all the fervor of a man on a call. And 
I did not really think about the ways that I just completely assimilated to the habits and practices of a top law school student and an aspiring young lawyer. I would have thought then that those things are neutral and it just mattered what I believed in my head and heart so to speak, about my call, I now see that I was wrong and that those habits formed me into the kind of person who eventually collapsed from panic, anxiety, and insomnia. I found myself at a certain point in my first year of lawyering, either needing to take pills or have a couple of drinks just to fall asleep. So I had literally been converted from the missionary to the nervous medicating lawyer in a very short amount of time. And that sent mm. me on way a, a year of trying to get better and then years of trying to figure out why habits mattered so much. And so I came out with a passion of realizing how much habits form us spiritually. And then, of course, as a man prone to crisis and epiphany, I one day had a smaller crisis in my own home mm. where I realized that all the stuff I had been applying to my work and technology life and my busyness in my mm. schedule actually had a lot to do with my family at home. Habits were forming them too. Mm. And so I can retell that story, but I don't want to talk for too long. So I'll pause there to make sure that your story sounds good on the first part. No, I think that's great. And I think it's interesting. You know, one of the things that we sometimes do find ourselves is getting to this moment of, I can't actually live like this anymore. Yes. And so yes. I either like am going to really be taken under or I have to make a change. And so that's what that was for you in your first year of lawyering. And then in your household as well, you're looking around going, and the way you describe in the book, I'm like, this is like everyone's life. You have four boys. I mean, I have three boys and a little girl and they're all big now, but when she was little, I'd be like, she'll beat you up in a princess dress. Like this girl, is, mm -hmm. she will take you down. So my house felt like sometimes four boys, but I, I understand that. the chaos and anyone that's listening also gets it. And so what was that moment for you with your family? Yeah. Fortunately, this was less of an existential crisis, but there's one night in particular, I had three boys at the time and now I have four and it's just all this stuff is just worse. But so our dynamic is just really loud and really rowdy. So almost every bedtime, which is fun, but it's also hard. So almost every bedtime is you know, bath water on the floor, toothbrushes being fought over, board books being used as weapons in said fight and lots of naked wrestling. This is just normal for us. I try not to participate, but the boys just can't help it, right? <laughs> so I remember I'm trying to get everybody to bed this night and I just flipped the switch into this, what I call the impotent general mode, where I'm just shouting commands that are you know, mostly being ignored. I'm threatening significant bodily harm if PJs aren't put on right away. Like, and just to be vulnerable for a minute, like I'm telling it funny here. I mean, I, I get angry, I get mean. I get like, get in bed now. And so I remember saying a short prayer for them mm -hmm. and telling them I love them and walking out of the room and closing the door and feeling this enormous sense of irony and conflict because my epiphany was nothing more than this is normal. That epiphany for me that night was really convicting because I started to realize, oh my gosh, it is normal for me to mm. steward my kids around the house in anger. That like this, I don't shepherd them with love. I'm just, I just move them around with anger. This is my norm. And it was something about that conviction that clicked where I'd been writing about habits, mm. how our norms affect us, how our default instincts are so important to our spiritual life. And I suddenly realized I'm becoming my habits. My kids are becoming me. I need to apply all this stuff to the habits of the household. And so I'm having a conversation a week later with one of my pastors. And this was such an important moment for me. I'm forever indebted to him because he suggested I try a bedtime liturgy with my kids, which sounds more complicated than it is, but I'll tell you what I did with them. I wrote my first bedtime liturgy and it goes like this. So I actually just did it last night with my two little ones. I still do it. I've done it for years now. I asked them a set of questions. All the answers are yes until the end. So it's just, can you see my eyes? And they say, yes. And then I say, can you see that I see your eyes? 
And they say, yes. And then I say, do you know that I love you? Yes. Do you know that I love you no matter what bad things you do? They say, yes. And then I say, you know that I love you no matter what good things you do? And they say, yes. And then I say, who else loves you like that? And they say, God does. And the first night I did this, you can imagine with four little boys, it did not go as planned. They took all the talk about eyes to be an invitation to poke my eyes. They didn't know what the right answers were. So it was chaotic. But I knew enough about habit at that point in my life to know that a good person perseveres. You know, nothing is a habit until it is. Everything's (laughs) awkward at first. And then came the night, it was about a week and a half later, where one Uh of my boys was laying in bed and asked, can we do our bedtime blessing now? And this was an incredible moment because aside from this exchange, the night was exactly like all the other ones. You know, I'm still struggling with my anger. They're still getting bathwater on the floor. Mm -hmm. But I realized by working on this habit of speaking intentional words about the gospel to each other, our evening was Mm -hmm. now not about the moment where I was going to close the door and be done with all this. It was headed towards a different moment of saying that no matter how this went today for me, and no matter how this went today for you, the story of this house, the, the lean, the tilt of this moment and this house is now towards the gospel message of we are loved despite what today had for us. And that was a light bulb for me because that's where I realized, oh my gosh, the power of a good parenting habit is it interrupts all those knee-jerk instincts that you have that are dangerous and bad. And it acknowledges that the household is full of habits. I mean, we're doing this everywhere. So we might as well try to slant them towards the love of God, because that's the direction I want to be falling in. Mm. And from there, it was like, I just started seeing them everywhere. Well, you say in your book, you said, you know, when this pastor of yours mentioned the bedtime liturgy, you said the realization clicked. You said, my parenting was already filled with liturgies, just not ones that I had chosen carefully. These small patterns I had with Lauren and the boys, our waking, our meals, our car rides, our bedtimes were all moments of worship too, guided by habits that could accurately be seen as liturgies. Liturgies of what? And then you said, now that I thought about it, probably liturgies of efficiency, impatience, rush, or frustration. These rhythms were certainly not ones I would choose, but they were ones that we had and we needed to change. And so I think that right there, I think it's important for us to start this conversation of Mm. people are listening and they're like, oh, wait, I don't have any. I don't have any liturgies of habit. I don't have any habit that I do. I need to go find some. And your point at the beginning of your book was like, oh, no, you do. You have these habits. (laughs) You have them. So I want to talk about that with you. And I want to say real quick for those that are listening that although this book that you wrote is around like families and around the household, there's, there's a lot of talking here about families. There are so many of these concepts that come into play as well with a single person or a couple with no kids or college roommates or whatever it is. So I just want to give that preface real quick. And you do that as well. But I want the listener to hear that, that these are really Mm -hmm. habits of the household that you live in. So what does your household look like? And you even talk in your book. I didn't didn't plan on asking you this about why you use the word household. Yeah, it's on purpose for that. Yeah. That's right. I've been influenced a lot by some other writers. Don Everts was one of them, a book called, I'm blanking on the name, but I'll think of it. The biblical idea of the household was way more expansive. It had had the idea of all the people who sort of come under the relational network of the house. And as I started to think about that, this is where you you know, roommates have households. You you live alone, you have a household. So this is specifically not titled habits of parenting, even though it's a lot about children and parenting. It's titled habits of the household because it's about all the ways that we form those who come into contact with our household. So if you look at the chapters, it's, you know, it's, it's waking, it's meal times, it's screen time, it's work, play, conversation, bedtime. And, you know, there are a couple others in there, but these are things we all do. I feel like the most important thing I want anybody who comes in contact with my writing to realize is that you can't not have habits and they can't not be forming you spiritually. So to put that in regular grammar, 
We all have habits and they're all guiding us spiritually. The question just is what kinds, you know, what kinds of liturgies of worship mm. are we doing in our everyday? And so I want everybody from single people to parents to, and everything in between to realize that these habits of the household matter to everybody mm. who comes under our roof. It's so good. And let's, let's talk about habits. I know you do this in your other book a lot as well, but you know, cause this idea of, well, I don't really have habits or so many times we go into whether it's marriage or parenting or a new job or a new life stage. And we're like, we don't even talk about what we want it to look like. We just start living. And so this idea of actually consciously yeah. thinking about what are the habits we want to create? What is your encouragement to people who are going, wow, I've never thought about this before. This is so crazy. Like now am I doing this all wrong? What kind of yeah. habits? Like, what is your encouragement to sit down and like, how do you reflect on your household and what that looks like? And maybe some things that you want to change. Where do you start? What's the starting point for this? I got to start with the grace of Jesus because People audit their habits, but they just start thinking about their schedules and enormous amounts of self-condemnation and guilt flood in. hundred percent. I'm already, I have already done it before we got on this call. I was like, man, yeah. I've been reading this book and my son's about to graduate. I, I didn't even, I was the worst mom that ever lived, right. You know? right. which is, isn't true. And I'm very being overdramatic, but you're right. We do that. But, and you're exactly right. We say things to ourselves about our lives that might be true in fact, like, oh, I never thought about that. But the condemnation that comes after, oh, I'm a bad person or I'm a bad mother. Or, I'm horrible at my job. What all the... Like, like that's a lie. That's a lie. So I always right. tell people, you know, Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, which means, and this is an incredible thing. We have the freedom to actually approach this conversation as like a Holy Spirit nudge to oh, how can we become closer to the good life that Jesus has for us? I mean, his yoke is easy. His burden mm -hmm. is light. What's really hard is living exactly the way you've been living. That is the most burdensome sort of American autopilot norm life. It creates the anxiety, the depression, the mm -hmm. injustice, the consumerism, the normal life that we experience, which is ridden with mental illness. Mm -hmm. That's hard, right? Auditing your habits and thinking through how they're actually liturgies that are forming you spiritually and how to change those. It's way more freeing. I got practicals to start with too, but I want to let that rest for a minute because I think the important place to start is just to make sure people know that your habits won't change God's love for you, period. Mm -hmm. It's just that God's love for you can and should change your habits. That's the whole conversation we have from here. That's so good, Justin. Yeah. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. 
Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Is that it's not going to change the way he loves you, but because of his love. Yes. Because of his grace, it yes. moves us into this. Yes. That's so great. Okay. So you broke this down, this book, which I really appreciated into a lot of different conversations. You already mentioned some of them. And the thing that I love as I was going through this is that you read it real clearly. Like none of these are new things. These are things that you do every day already. You wake up every day, <laughs> right, you right. go to bed every day, you eat every day. <laughs> you know, if you're married, you're married every day. If you have a, no matter if you have a job outside of the home or not, you're working right. every day. You know, there's screens in your house. These are things that we're mm -hmm. already in. So we already have developed habits. For you, when you started looking through this, where did you start? Because like, you know, I think the thing that gets people confused is they'll hear this podcast or, or they'll follow you on Instagram or they'll or read your book and they're like, everything changes tomorrow, guys. Tomorrow, this household right. yeah, <laughs> is yeah. a new place. And then you're just beat down by 9 a.m. Totally like, I, I can't even do this. What did it look like right. for you and your wife right. and your family as a starting place? I will say that for me, because I started a lot of the stuff in my time of crisis when I was having my anxiety and panic crash, I actually did have a New Year's moment with my two best friends where I asked them to keep me accountable to a new set of daily and weekly rhythms, which eventually became the daily and weekly rhythms and the common rule, my first book. But I'm unusual. I was a man in crisis and I think I needed like a radical change. Most people should start incrementally with one small habit. And that's the beauty of habits because it, you try to do everything at the same time it's just too heavy. It's too heavy for your head. But you do one habit for a couple of weeks. And the beauty of habit is that it sinks under the radar. You're no longer mm -hmm. expending any effort to do that thing because it's just normal for you now to go to scripture before you go to your phone in the morning. So then you add another one. And that's how you can become, I mean, I analogize it to exercise. You can become incredibly strong in your spiritual disciplines, in your healthy habits, because you don't think about all the ones you started before. So one of the ones I start with in the book is scripture before phone. And I do that on purpose because I think, especially for parents who are listening and thinking through their parenting habits, I really want to emphasize that our capacity mm -hmm. to parent well begins with our capacity to be children of God well. And so one of my first habits every day is this habit of scripture before phone, where I just 
have said, it's, it's healthy for me not to unlock that thing, not even to let it like see my face until I spend some time in the word and in prayer. My wife actually doesn't do it that way. She does hers midday. But for me and I've, for a lot of parents, that's been a keystone habit that where they start that and everything mm-hmm. else starts to change. And so I could recommend a couple other ones, but I'd definitely start with one. And I often recommend scripture before phone as sort of a keystone habit. What are the other ones you recommend? If I were to go through a couple that I think just are fundamental game changers for the life of a parent and a family, scripture before phone, one hour with your phone off in the evening. This is, I love technology. I'm on it a lot. A lot of my habits though are geared towards making sure that we steward our technology instead of letting the technology steward us. And an hour with your phone off every evening is one way that I see in my parenting life that I actually just become way more present. Another one that I'm really, really big on that's super helpful for our family is liturgies of reconciliation after moments of discipline or arguments. That one's not as pithy, right? But what I mean by that is when our boys fight, we have this little tradition called a brother's hug, where after they do the, I'm sorry, I forgive you. And they do it, you know, with pouty faces and they don't really mean it. So we have this act of reconciliation called the brother's hug, where they have to hold on to each other until they start to smile again. And with little kids, this is wonderful and and easy, but it helps us to have a small habit that recognizes that look, if reconciliation isn't the story of your family, then bitterness and isolation and slow drift is going to be like in a family, we're always going to have fights. And so this is true with Lauren and I too. We have our own sort of version of the hug where we try to be together after after fights and do this with my older kids too. So those are, I'll stop there. I could keep going, mm-hmm. but those are some really big ones for my daily routine, things that happen every day. I hope as listeners, your understanding is that you get to make these how your family would best use them. You know, like parenting my 17, 16, 15, 16 year old boys, hugging till they best smile. I, that would be kind of funny. That might not be the best thing for our family right now. But I think our point that you and I are saying right. is like, look and see like, what are some rhythms that you can develop for your family that work right then that point you back to Jesus? You know, like what is an individualized for your family? One yes, of the things that yes. you talk about was mealtimes. And at the Ivy family, we are big on mealtimes. I mean, it is in fact, you know, just... Uh, when was it? Tuesday night of this week that we're recording my one of my sons and the guy that's mentoring him wanted to cook dinner for our family. And so they made this dinner and we all sat down and after it was over and he had left and everyone gone, I told my boys who are 17 and 16 right now at this age, two 16 year olds, I was like, you guys, I'm so proud of you. And here's why I'm so proud of you, because you asked the people who were guests at our home if they needed anything. You had conversation. Mm-hmm. You did, No one had their phones out. No one left when the dinner was over. Everyone took people's oh. plates. Everyone did. And I said to I said that to them to tell them I was proud of them. And I also was saying, like, as a reminder, like when we do these things as a family, this I was telling my boys this. I'm like, mom and dad talk about this stuff. But man, we got to see it in action tonight. We had a guest in our home and you didn't just do this because we made you. You did this because it's a, it's a rhythm that, that we have instilled in you. And so meal times are very important in our family to wait till you have teenagers, Justin. Sometimes we eat dinner at like 930 oh, at night. That's, that's when everyone's awesome. home. We're like, we're, we'll wait for you. Like we're coming home, you know, mm-hmm. we'll wait. And so mealtimes are my favorite things, but I thought about something in your book that I wanted to have you dive in on a little bit is that you said this, you said the difference between people who happen to live (laughs) together and families who befriend each other are rhythms of conversations at mealtimes. And that hit me as a mom of big kids who like one of my biggest dreams is that they'll be friends when they're older. You know, when they Mm -hmm. don't have to live together, (laughs) they don't have to talk to each other is that they'll be friends. And that sentence in your book just made me go, man, developing rhythms and liturgies around mealtimes will 
transform their lives forever. So talk about why you saw mealtimes as being so important. I don't know if I could say it more beautifully than you just said it, because those those are all the <laughs> things that I dream of for my family when they grow older. And just like I... Well, I'm, I'm at advantage because I have... Right, older, like right. you, I've got 10 years yes. on you, you know? So I'm like, hey, Justin, here's your... You're here's encouraging your me right times. now. I hope, you know, I hope I'm seeing my future a little bit. But just like I was talking about with Lauren earlier, I think one of my greatest dreams and hopes for my life is that I will see family become friends and that I will treat my friends as family. Mm. And I think there's probably no ritual more significant to friendship than the idea that you eat together. This is like, this is where we commune. There's something extraordinarily spiritual Mm. about it. And a lot of my writing is about this idea, trying to uncover that in the ordinary rhythms of the day, extraordinary spiritual things are happening. And so to families, I want to say mealtimes, extraordinary things are happening in this regular rhythm you have of of eating together. And you're most prone to forget that, I think, when you have the young children stage where it's nearly impossible to get everybody at the dinner table. You're exhausted. Food is flying everywhere. Milk is constantly being spilled. Conversation sort of a joke, like getting people to talk back. I mean, you know, we have what Lauren and I sometimes call dinner terrorists at the table when they're about two or three and they're literally interrupting every single thing. But in that chaos, like what I try to point out is really, really important things are happening. One, you're just saying that despite the chaos of the world Mm -hmm. that tries to pull us in so many other directions towards soccer practice and busyness and I can't get home from work and grocery is too complicated to get to dinner together. We're saying, no, despite that, the table's the center of gravity. We're we're actually going to orient our life around communing together, not around our busy schedules. That's incredibly important right there. And just teaching kids over and over, you get so much time at the table over Mm -hmm. the course of your life. It's where we teach them to have conversations, how to ask questions. How, like you said, Jamie, how to be hospitable when a guest comes over. We have a regular weekly rhythm, at least, of having a guest in our house. And so th- these are the things we practice because I hope I'll have a story like you have You know, when they're teenagers. And, and honestly, I mean, I see it with my family now, my extended family. I have five brothers and sisters. There's 15 accounting grandkids between, between us all. We all go to my mom and dad's house still every Sunday and have this massive family dinner and we talk and it's some of the best times of my week. And I just think this is the dream and perhaps one of the greatest witnesses of the Christian life that we are people who befriend each other, who eat together and invite the world to come to the table. You got me teary-eyed, Justin, because as my kids are getting older, that's what I think about. I, I want this like parenthood moment of us all under the table, under the trees with the lights. And every Sunday night, my kids are coming home to have dinner with us. That would be a joy of mine for sure. Um, And I think like I do have the advantage here is, is being ahead of you a little bit just to encourage the listener here who might be with those little kids is you're right about habits is in the moment it feels like is this doing anything does this matter and it's hard because you don't see the payoff right then you know but it's like with anything it's like you relate to exercise a lot it's like with exercise i just got a peloton bike and listen i got the bike six days ago Mm -hmm. and i still cannot go longer than 30 minutes i thought i'd be you know I, i thought i'd be on the olympic racing team by now but hopefully in a year I can look back and see some difference in my writing. And it's like that too with these mealtimes, you guys. It feels crazy, but one day you're going to look up and you'll be like, did you just take my plate without asking yes. me? Like, this is amazing. Oh, yes. Like what a moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up the Peloton because I tried to write a chapter on exercise in this book. And my editor was like, it's just not all there. And she was right. So it it left, but it's out there somewhere. It'll come back. And I just think exercise is one of the best ways to understand your heart and your soul. Like working your body 
to to make it better. It's one of the best ways to understand what you have to do in the realm of the soul to make your life. I mean, we get we exercise to get stronger and more fit, but we do the same things in our life mm-hmm. that we have it to become a more loving person. And I think the same way that everybody knows mm-hmm. if you get on that Peloton or go to the gym and put the time in, mm-hmm. what it's going to feel hard. Every time it's going to feel like you don't want to do it. Every time it's going to hurt. And that's the point that makes you stronger. And family dinners, conversations with your kids, saying sorry to your spouse, getting up early enough to have some time in the word or staying up late enough to pray, whatever it is. You don't want to do them. They're hard. It's the life of habit, but hard things make us more loving people. This is Jesus meets us in hard things. And I just think like Mm -hmm. it encourages me because it makes me, it reminds me all this stuff isn't necessarily easy. Like I would never try to sell people, Hey, this is the Mm -hmm. easy life. Do this. No, it's hard but it's worth doing because becoming more loving is the goal of the human life. Mm-hmm. That's the goal of the human life. You mentioned to me about an exercise hat. We just started talking about exercise. So I want to know about it. You have a hat that you <laughs> yeah. put on every time you exercise. I do. Yeah. You asked me what of my, what was the favorite objects or things. I, and the, one of the first things that came to mind is uh-huh. Uh-huh. I have this hat. It's from a company called Grit Coffee. They're here in local coffee company in Richmond, Virginia. And they have like great apparel. So, uh, and, But this hat, I just started wearing it when I work out okay. every day at noon. And it has become like a signal to me. Like it's time. It's time to do this now. For at home, it's my great pair of slippers. And as you can start to hear, like I'm a weird eccentric person of habit. But but to me, it's I do a lot of things. I, I you know I write in the mornings. I lawyer through the day. I have calls and meetings through the afternoon. But I would collapse if I don't work on my body a little bit. So every day at noon, I go and I put on the hat and I exercise, exercise hard. And it keeps my mind and body alive to live a life of love for the next day. And Mm -hmm. so little things like that, you know, they're eccentric to me, but they mean really significant things. They mean I'm taking care of myself. They mean I'm staying in this pocket of what it means to be a good worker, a good husband, a good father. So my my hat means a lot. I like your hat and I I need a hat too, to get me on that bike every morning. You know, when you talk about habits, you've done a lot of research and a lot of work on habits. And so I feel like this is a great question to ask you. You you mentioned your hat and that's kind of this, like, I'm going to wear this hat. I'm going to go work out. It's kind of the signal. Do you find other ways in your household of things? You mentioned your slippers. And so I, I do appreciate that, but do you find other things in your household that go along with these habits of waking and in email times and, and, and a marriage and work and evening. Are there things that are important to us as humans to trigger things for us? Like, is that a real thing that the hat triggers? I'm going to work out. Oh yeah. It's a real thing. It's the real thing. So, okay. One so of the, what are some things in your household? <laughs> one of the things that I love about when I really kind of studied into this habit stuff is realizing the way that God made our brain is just sort of beautifully eccentric and fun. And anybody who wants to read into it can go look at habit cues. So there's this whole realm of study on the way our habits work is you have a cue and then you have a habit and you have a reward. And so you need to think about using cues and rewards to start and stop good habits. So I'll let people go Good. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you got that, that cue you're talking of like, about good and bad habits, right? You know, I mean, look, anything from indulging. Yeah. Yeah. That's I just want to make sure everyone Netflix knows that. to, you know, smoking breaks. To, I'm going to have my Coca-Cola right now, even though you don't want to drink soda, all those things have cues, right? So some of the ones we do in our house, like it's, they're also just fun. So we light a candle when we sit down to eat and we all say together, Christ is light. And it's a way just to say, okay, now we're here. Now we're talking. Everybody just said one thing together. And, you know, fire is fun. As it turns out, boys like fire, you know, girls do too. So we have a dinner bell we ring. It's this little triangle. And oh my gosh, the way the children fight over this, like who gets to ring the bell every night. But it. it signals moments for us like, 
we're going to eat now, or we're going to do family devotion now, or we're going to pray now. And these are just times of our days or weeks where somebody uh-huh. gets to ring the dinner bell <laughs> for, for those things. You know, I just do iPhone alarms too. I, like I've had a lot of people show me a wallpaper that just says scripture before phone. And so they're like, pick it up in the morning. They're like, oops, put it back yeah. down. Yeah. You know, there are tons of little cues like that, that signal us to like, now's a relational moment. Now's an eating moment. Now's a scripture moment. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about that hour in the evening of no phone. And I've heard of, I don't know if I read this in the book, you might've said it, of people who literally are coming home and like we're saying to their children, look, mom and dad's phone is going up on this shelf. And it's almost like, that's like, I didn't think of it till now, but it's almost like this, yes. cue, this is cue that we're saying to everybody, not just ourselves. That phone, when it's there, you know what that means. It means there's an hour when no one can get me. Yes. And I love the, I do this a lot with my kids around technology because incorporating them into your rhythms is so, so urgently important, right? We've never done this whole smartphone thing before. It's about a decade old, right? We're still figuring out how it affects us and how it affects kids. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the time I did this with my son last night. I was like, here's the swipe. You turn it off. I'm going to put it away because it's dinner time. If I'm on my phone around my kids, I try often to do it on one knee so they can see what I'm doing or at least tell them what I'm doing because they got no idea what's going on. Like I could be Mm -hmm. scrolling Instagram, answering the most important client email I've ever received or checking a baseball Mm -hmm. score or texting their mom. Like they don't know. They just know I'm not paying attention to them. So Mm -hmm. I try to tell them what I'm Mm -hmm. doing or let them watch because if it's the bad reason, I'll be like, I don't want to say that. So I need to put it away now, right? So that little- (laughs) I don't have to confess. Yeah, and and I just, I mean, I'm fumbling through this like anybody else, but I just think one of the most important things we're going to teach our kids is how to use technology. I think it's probably one of the most important, Mm. important factors in our discipleship to Jesus maybe the most important factor right now, how you use screens is a really, really significant matter in who you're discipled by. Are you discipled by that news site? Are you discipled by the word? Are you discipled by your social media feed and all the images you see there? Or there's a lot of discipleship at stake. And so I just, when I think about discipling my kids, I think I've got to show them how to use technology, probably one of the most important things I'll ever teach them. Mm-hmm. You know, this, your newest book is about habits of the household, which you do have a section on technology, but I would love to hear like, what is that technology piece that we're showing our kids and that we're bringing into our house? It first has to start with us. Like, you know, like what are the habits that we personally have on our phone and our devices before we ever invite our children into some kind of habit? What do those habits look like for you? And obviously everyone gets to determine their own habits. This is not a do what I do, but what does it look like yeah. in your own life as, you know, yeah. a father, a husband, a friend, you a business owner, a lawyer, intentional in your community? What are your habits of technology? I'll list off some quick ones. Two of them you already heard that are the most important for me, scripture before phone in the morning, an hour with my phone off in the evening. Some other ones about being a worker. I just don't use messaging outside of breaks. So like my iMessage or my phone is not with me. As a lawyer, I got I to gotta write contracts or as a writer, I'm writing a chapter. I just have to do deep work and pay attention. So it's an odd day or an odd time if my phone is actually iMessage is up or something like that. So no messaging. So if I message you right now, where does that message go? It just doesn't notify you? Yes. Or, or I'll put my phone somewhere else. Got it. Okay. And your phones are good at this, actually, if you take the See, this time. Is where so I'm, you can, I'm, this is Justin. This is our one-on-one count, like session. Okay, yeah, this tell is, me okay, what this do is I need your, to do. your coaching time. <laughs> so you can set your do not disturb or your focus time you know, schedules to pass through your wife or your husband. And it'll ring out loud if you need, but silence everything else. So then, you know, I'll go during a break and check up on all my text threads or maybe mm-hmm. check social media for something. But I find work is sacred. I mean, work is one of the most fundamental ways we are like God. And I think when we live completely distracted 
lives during work, we rob ourselves of part of what it means to bear the image of God. And so I just, I take it like sacramentally, like I'm, I'm working now. It's serious. Mm. Another big one for me is not using my phone in bed. I, I think I am most prone to not pay attention, scroll myself into oblivion and not use my phone on purpose when I'm tired late at night. So I do like a lot of people are going to think I'm a Luddite from the way I'm talking. I'm not, I'm probably on my phone more than you probably on my computer more than everybody that's listening. I'm a corporate lawyer. I do answer my emails. I answer my phone calls. I just have the times where I go to do it now because otherwise it would interrupt my whole life. Yeah, I know. I understand what you're, I'm thinking back to my day yesterday, Justin, where I needed to be completely focused on a task and I'm very much distracted by my phone all day. And I'm like, yeah, this was me yesterday. I allowed my phone to distract me when I should have been doing deep work. Yes. And you're, Confession. you're way happier when you do it this way. Right. Because everybody has a soul deep need to focus, to finish. This is good work to be with. If you're you stay at home parent right now, just to be with your children, it's very satisfying mm-hmm. when you actually do yeah. that. Like leave your phone at home, go to the playground, something like that. And then it's also very satisfying to say now is my half an hour where I'm going to respond to Instagram and look at some neat stuff and actually enjoy that and mm-hmm. put it where it ought to be. Andy Crouch and great work in the TechWise family. And his line of putting technology in its proper place, mm-hmm. I just think is brilliant. Because a lot of the a lot of my habits are geared towards that. I do a lot of technology, mm-hmm. watch, listen, read a lot of stuff on my phone. I just try to do it in the right places because I'm also a father, a friend, a husband, a worker, a body, like all those other things have to have their time. And the phone will creep everywhere. And this is, you know, we could talk about screen time habits for kids, but this is way more important. How do you do it? Like, how does a parent use their technology? That's what kids are going to learn from most importantly. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's such a great thing that you just said is like, I'm on my phone. And so this isn't like an all or it's not like throw your phone out. You know, you you (laughs) go back to the flip phone, you can't do it or whatever. But it is just this idea of creating habits to give the time that you're on it, the time it deserves and the time that it's allowed to have. And I think that is really convicting for me, even of just like, man, what habits have I formed around my phone that actually aren't helpful for me at all, but they are habits. And that's what I think was profound to me in reading your book is like, oh, these things I don't like, they're habits. 100%. And I need to break them. And importantly on that, once you- Wait, I got a question for you, Justin. Do I break the habit or do we get a new habit? Oh, wow. Or is it both? That just- It's like, did the egg come before the chicken? (laughs) Softball question. It's almost impossible to just stop a habit. What you're really always doing is replacing it with a better habit. Habits and worship are so intertwined. This is why I like talking about them. I think of habits as ordinary liturgies that are leading Mm. you in paths of worship. And just like lots of famous theologians will tell you, you can't just stop loving something. You can't just stop worshiping something. You've got to find something better to love, something higher to worship, something that your heart wants even more. Every bad habit needs to be swapped out with a better habit. And so you use those times of day, anger at my children started with this, right? One of my worst habits. One of my most significant practices now around discipline is I try not to enter a moment of discipline unless I have said a short prayer first. Don't think I'm sanctimonious like or some like, sort of Dear Lord, prayer. I'm about to there just you go. really, That's really it. go into this. Those are the most sincere <laughs> prayers. They're on the fly, running up the stairs. I am like, I'm about to yell yeah. at somebody. I'm just like, Lord, help. But it's often it's often something like, Lord, remind me that I too hate it when people take uh-huh. my stuff. Or Lord, remind me that I too hate it when somebody yells at me. And I need, you know, I would need your grace and truth in this moment, Lord. So help me to give some grace and truth to them. It's they're compact moments. But mm-hmm. I say yeah. that because... But it's acknowledging something. Yeah bigger than you that you need in that moment. And it's taking a moment where I already have a habit. 
of yelling. Mm. I'm about mm-hmm. to yell in that moment. So my cue, hear a kid fight, my habit, yell at them. My reward, feel like I control the moment, needs to be changed to cue, hear a kid yelling. Habit, I'm going to pray first. Reward, I parent better. That's where you're like, you hit a virtuous cycle of you want to. So you replaced that. Yeah, and you have to practice it. With a new you have to practice it. But then you, this is the important part. The Lord will meet you in, in habits. I mean, mm. grace is real. Mm-hmm. It's not these habits that are changing us. They are ways of cooperating with the Holy Spirit that is knocking at your heart saying, don't don't yell this time. I mean, like you feel that. And these, these sort of interruptive habits that you practice are ways of being attentive to the Holy Spirit's promptings in your life. And the Lord really so will. Good. Yeah. I've seen so much sanctification in my life mm-hmm. through the grace of habit. And I really do think of them as, as little small levers of grace. They're so small. You think, oh, they can't do anything Mm big. No, but God uses them as levers of grace. He does enormous things through these tiny little habits. Justin, that's so good. And that's a great way to end this conversation of just like allowing that moment when we hear from the Holy Spirit, you know, like using your example of anger, which we can all relate to, Mm. especially as parents, as no one likes it afterwards when you yell at your kids. It's not like you yell at your kids and then you're like, ha look at me now. I'm a mate. No, you usually feel like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have yelled, you know? And so like listening to that and going, okay, then yeah. what new habit do we need to replace when we get that cue of kid fighting, kid do this. And so, so, so very good. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Justin, I'd love to ask you, what are you loving these days and what are you reading? I'm reading a lot of fiction and poetry these days. Really important part of my life. I think stories I form it. us so much and, um, and and beauty is so important. You know, I'm a corporate lawyer who writes about habit. I'm really not so uptight. I like I, I love reading. Best book I read recently was this a book by Wallace Stegner called Crossing to Safety. It's about the life of two couples and their friendship. Reading a poet right now called Christian Wyman, who's just really got away with words. So besides my workout hat and my slippers to like, this is my time with kids. Those books are dear to me. So more poetry and fiction is always good. You know, I am a slipper girl as well. In fact, fun fact about me is I don't ever go barefoot. Like I don't go barefoot on grass. I don't go barefoot on gravel. I don't go barefoot in my house. I don't want to be barefoot ever. Wow. I love my slippers too. Well, yeah. I used to live barefoot, but now I've converted to your way of life, Jamie. I'm a slipper guy now. <laughs> I like can't even handle it. I can't even handle it. Well, you guys, literally, this is a really great book that I was able to devour the last part of 2021. It's called Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. And I cannot express how much this book is for everyone that's listening, no matter what life stage you're in. If you are a grandparent, if you are single, if you have roommates, if you are a single mom, whatever it might look like, or if you're parenting four crazy kids like we happen to be parenting, there's something in this book for all of us. And Justin, I think I just want to say also like, man, thanks so much for really using like habits makes you think of like, okay, it's a new year and I'm going to get some new habits. You know, I'm going to take on 2022. But the thing that's actually so beautiful about the way you approach this and the work in your book too, is it's like, man, because of our habits, we get to push more towards loving God and loving other people well and become the best version of ourselves. not yes. in like a, like a hokey, like, yes. you know, you get to create your own destiny type of way, but in just a like, 
I want to be the best thing that I can be because of how much God loves me. So thank you for doing that for us. Oh, absolutely. I, the call of habit is simply just to live in a beautiful life of loving God and loving neighbor. This is what we yearn for. So I'm so grateful you gave me the time to talk to you about this. I admire your show from afar. It's such an honor to be here. So thanks, Jamie. Well, I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Brittany and Ben too, for pointing me to your book. I love it. <laughs> That's <is> true. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to bring to you, and every opportunity we get to point us all to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is actually the number one way that people find out about our show because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that make us think, make us laugh and point us to Jesus. Also, come find me on other places around the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy, And we've been having some fun posting videos on YouTube as well. Sometimes you wish you could see the person I'm interviewing. Well, come over and find us there and you can. JamieIvy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics by Rachel Ray. The show is edited by the team at Podshaper. And I'm your host, Jamie. And I love every single week that I get to be here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend. Oh, 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 o